Hi, so in this episode I talked to an ex-agency founder called Ben Johnson, who's also a community member, about the role of pricing in your business. We, dis- well, we discuss how price isn't just a label, uh, it's also a measure of your confidence and a tool to help customers make a decision. So you're going to learn about ways to tackle your decisions with regards to pricing and we touch on why pricing isn't just about logic and numbers, it's also about our emotional relationship to money. So I hope you enjoy. And we're here and it's starting. So this is um, this episode of the podcast came about... Um, well, in quite a circuitous way. So I'm joined today by Ben Johnson. He's a, a recent member of the community. Um, and we had, actually, recent. When, when did you join us? Uh, when did I join you? I think you came I, to the the, yeah, the, uh, the meaning, meaning conference. That's right. First. That's right. So I met you at the meaning conference or at the very excellent dinner the night before the meaning conference. Uh, oh, and yes. the story Silo. of Happy Startup resonated uh, very well but i think i only managed to pull my finger out and actually join <laughs> sometime around the beginning of this year uh, but i i kind of emotionally joined sometime around early november i remember having a conversation with you at the dinner and there definitely seems to seem to be a link and and the story that you were telling about your journey in business definitely resonated with our in, well, our own journey, but also our intention of why the community exists and who who it's for. Um, so, actually, before we go into, uh, I would like to maybe dive a bit deeper into your journey. Uh, for those of you listening, um, the the theme of this podcast is really around the idea of pricing, um, and this came about because um, Ben was one attended one of our ideas cafes uh, a, a few months back, and. The conversations at that point seem to be around, you know, how much do I charge and can I raise my prices? And this whole thing that, that seems to be a lot of challenge, a challenge for a lot of people is like, how much money should people spend for my stuff? Particularly if you're a social enterprise or you're, you're something, someone doing purposeful work, the money thing can be a big problem. So we're, the our intention with this podcast is to kind of help you if you're thinking about or you're having challenges with pricing to have something to come away with to be more comfortable about how to tackle that um and we did that and we had a little uh, we did a webinar a campfire conversation around the topic uh, a couple of weeks ago where ben led us down this journey of understanding the different aspects that or different factors that can affect pricing and i thought it would be a great way now to to share it with more people um to, to get a taste of what they can do in terms of tackling these pricing challenges. But before we go into all of that lovely stuff, which you'll be hearing about later on, uh, it'd be nice to find out more about Ben. And like I said, having this conversation in Silo, which is, again, a restaurant with its own very interesting story about food waste and how we can, how we can tackle that better. Um, but he had his own story about his journey of, of being an entrepreneur. So... Uh, I'm going to chuck you in the deep end there, Ben. <laughs> Throw me to <laughs> the sharks. Yeah, give us a bit of context of where you are and how you got here. Yeah, okay. Well, um, thank you for having me. Very good to uh, join you for the chat. I'm a podcast virgin, so uh, good to be here experiencing something new. Um, so yeah, so my, my journey here. So 
I had a company um, called Free State, uh, which I um, sold and left a couple of years ago. Uh, I'd been running it for uh, a few years, for about 16, 17 years by the time I uh, left it. Uh, we were a sort of design firm. We had a kind of number of sort of iterations to the to the business, as these things kind of do. They kind of chopped and chopped and chopped and changed a little. Uh, essentially, a design business, an experienced design business. Uh, I ran with uh, my my business partner, uh, and uh, like I said, to kind of run it for sort of sixteen, seventeen years, we were doing. Uh, very, very big projects for big international brands. We worked with Sony, we worked with Samsung, we worked with Virgin Atlantic, designing customer experiences, employee experiences, visitor experiences. It's really kind of experience design on a, a kind of number of different levels. Uh, and so in many respects, you know, you know, very, very kind of successful company, successful commercially. Uh, but running it for kind of sort of such a long time i think probably for half the amount of time that i was running it actually i was trying to work out how to get out of it uh and i think my as i kind of went into it we sort of set up the business a little bit by kind of accident as these things happen a kind of sort of quirk of some conversations going in a certain direction and before we knew it we sort of had a company going but a lot of my motivation when I went into the company uh, was was quite kind of harsh in many respects, quite sort of harsh, kind of emotionally, quite harsh personally. I was very, very kind of driven to try and make this company a success. Therefore, the kind of pressure that I created on myself, the pressure that I created on the business, the pressure that I created on colleagues or my business partner was quite sort of tough, really. And I think... Mm. I wasn't really kind of aware of that at the time, but that was really kind of slowly kind of laying on. It was a kind of layer upon layer upon layer, really. And what I sort of found that a lot of the energy that went into the first seven, eight, nine years of the business, which really kind of pushed us pushed us very, very far and, and kind of very, very fast, was really, of course, unsustainable. We can't contribute that amount of kind of effort, particularly when it comes from that sort of place for very long. So what I actually kind of found is that I was then spent the next kind of sort of five, six, seven plus years trying to really work out how I was sort of extricating myself. And it wasn't really clear at the wow. time that that's what I was doing. But this kind of journey of really rising up and then kind of sort of slowly coming down was one that we were really kind of playing out. And uh, in the end, managed to work out how to sell it so that I could exit the company. And uh, then that kind of dropped me into a kind of couple of year period where I was then sort of needing to kind of look afresh at what I wanted to do and what I wanted to contribute. And when we met back in November last year, I was really in the the kind of throes of that. And everything actually that you guys were talking about was exactly what was kind of resonating with me that, you know, the work that we do and the contribution that we make can be and actually needs to be more positive than a lot of a lot of kind of working working experience that lots of people endure so yeah our conversation was kind of very very resonant and uh quite inspiring so that kind of took us on a journey which has got us to this point now amazing and i think uh, from from the people i've met um on our journey of the happy startup school i think it will resonate with many many founders that, and it resonated with me as well that feeling of um well particularly when you said uh a business lawrence and i are, are kind of entrepreneurs by accident mm -hmm. it wasn't some major intention but circumstance and happenstance turned it into this and then 
and then working out what is it you want from this business and and what is the measure of success that's the that's the stuff that i think i got from our conversations and what resonated for me and what we want to help other people um avoid I hate to use the word wasting time because it's all quality time. It's all about, you know, that experience. But at the same time, if you can you can create that intention early enough so that then you, you can focus your energy on what I believe you're trying to help people with and what your new focus is in looking at other measures of success and other ways of pulling yourself forward in a business rather than just the money and the and the status. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think you know, being a little bit kinder more kindly to to mm-hmm. ourselves because you know for sure like, as you say being being an entrepreneur being a kind of creator of your work is a hugely exciting and rewarding thing to do uh, and so just the important thing is to hold all measures kindly um you know it's not about the size for lots of people it's not then about the size of the business or any of those sorts of external measures and just making sure you give yourself the time and space to know what is important to you and let those things carry you through rather than measures which might be measures more in other people's eyes which come to things around scale and size and people and money and all of all of those things which are equally important too but not everything that's great and i <clears throat> it kind of makes well it comes around to one of the mantras that we have at the happy startup school which is make money do good and be happy and, and balancing those three things and i think a lot of the people who who are interested in our work they're very very much purpose driven people people who want to make a difference people who who feel like work should be more than just um than the size of your revenue and and the amount the the balance in your bank account um and also i think the you know you when you talk to also being kind to yourself the idea of self-care and business and how actually that's that leads to sustainability as well because as as there's financial sustainability but there's also sustainability energetically and Mm. if you don't have that focus and clarity in business and also uh, the appreciation that you need to look after yourself then at some point things are going to make turn for the worst but this is my kind of very i would say clumsy way of moving around ultimately though money is important Mm -hmm. um when you're running a business it's uh, the fuel for the enterprise is the thing that will keep you going and it's going to put a roof over your head and food on the table so um and core to that when you're building a business and you're selling a service or a product is how much do you sell that for and that's a big challenge and i think this is something you you you, you're very aware of as well particularly with purpose-driven business owners yeah absolutely because i guess the one thing i'd kind of pick up on that from straight away is of course it's not just about business yeah so any kind of enterprise that you do whether it's a non-profit or for-profit all of these kinds of enterprises or just us individually personally and kind of living our lives you know the world we live in relies on money as a real key transactional thing so whether it's a charity or a purpose-driven business or a social enterprise or whatever label that you put on it or just us traveling through the world day by day we have to have a very very kind of conscious attitude to money and actually we're not really sort of taught that and i know that's a little bit beyond what we're talking about today but actually it all it all comes together in, in a very kind of sort of similar way I think in lots of instances, people have quite an uncomfortable sort of relationship with money. I think in many respects, I did too. I think 
we used money in running our business actually as a bit of an emotional safety net. You made reference there to the amount of money and the, the kind of size of the bank balance. For us, actually, the size of the bank balance was an emotional safety net and, and you know, dressed up as a commercial safety net, i.e. we needed to have a certain amount of money in the bank to ensure we could withstand whatever kind of storms might come our way. And of course, there's good sense in all of that. But there was also an emotional thing there that there was a sort of some that somehow money was a kind of protector. Uh, And I think we carry a lot of these sort of messages into our work. And if we're not really conscious about it, then they can, you know, have a kind of positive or negative effect, really, depending on, on how you think about what you do. But really, that's probably a kind of broader thing than actually the kind of role of of sort of pricing that we're sort of talking about. Because when it it kind of comes down to it, all of those things are true. But equally, it is as true that we do have to really kind of think about how we price, what we price, the message that we're sending. Because if we don't get sort of that right, then there isn't sustainability in our organisation, as there wouldn't be sustainability in our lives either. So it is a critical issue. Yeah. So I there's there's two levels to this. There's a deeper level where I feel there's a our relationship to money and also understanding other people's relationships to money uh, and having that uh appreciation and, and looking into that looking either essentially within and understanding some of the psychology behind it the way I look at it is going to be valuable to you in terms of your confidence in running the business and where you are in your balance sheet for want of a better term uh but also there's the t- t- kind of like how you communicate what pricing means beyond just a tag on a product but also what that means in terms of helping people make decisions and also the confidence you have within your the offering that you're trying to to to, to give to people so maybe um, it feels like there is a whole podcast itself about our relationship to money. And maybe this is also a panel that we could probably do. There's a number of people in the community, I think, that we could do that. And so if you are listening to this and you're interested, please post a comment on the on our Happy Startup community to let us know or put a comment on the podcast um, on iTunes or whichever platform you use. I think today we're going to try and address some of the people who, who have that question about, okay, how do I set a price? Can I increase my prices? What are the things that are going to govern that? And so maybe we can talk to that, give some people some silver bullets, and then we'll then be able to talk about some of the deepest. Sure, that is sensible. And thank you for keeping us on track so we didn't kind of veer off down a road, which interesting is, as you say, a completely different conversational topic. Um, but yeah, so I, I think the um, one of the sort of seeds you just kind of planted there is this idea around confidence. And I, I was thinking about this beforehand. You know, the, the price that we charge affects our confidence hugely and our confidence affects the price that we charge. It's a kind of symbiotic relationship. So, the, you know, in more sense, the more we charge, actually, you will find the more confidence you start to have in the service that you're providing. And the more that you charge, the more confidence your market will have in you too. And so it becomes a sort of self-reinforcing loop. And I sort of found this, um, and the people on the the webinar will kind of know, I found this 
really the kind of hard way in the early years of running my own business, where at the beginning we were a bit apologetic. We were a bit desperate, to be honest. So we were really trying to persuade people to give us a go, to you know persuade them to give us a chance to prove our worth. Uh, and we thought the way to do this was to kind of offer them a price which was relatively low according to what people might pay because we thought, well, that will be the easiest way. You know, It's easy for them just to, to kind of buy it. But what we found actually was that the opposite was true. And it was only when uh, I put a very, very significant price on the first engagement that people started to routinely buy what we did. Uh, and, it, you know, the, the kind of message in that is really, really clear. The price that we put out there is a signal. And your prospective customer, your prospective client, um, whoever it might be, is always looking to looking for clues, looking for signals that reassure them that buying from you, and this is sort of true, whatever it is that you're providing, they're looking for clues and signals that whatever, that buying from you is a safe decision. Uh, Ultimately, that's kind of what it comes down to in different forms. Will doing business, whatever that might be with this person, be safe? You know, if it's in a business to business context, Will I lose my job as a result of doing it? If it's in a personal context, will I kind of lose out as a result of this? And so we're always looking for clues and signals that I'm not going to be left exposed. And the price that we charge is hugely important in sending a signal that says, I, the provider, am really confident in this and you, the buyer, Mm. can be confident in it too. Yeah. Now I, I've got a very a story a story that's very alive at the moment for me right now, in terms of we're wanting to get our roof retiled, mm-hmm. and there's a guy down the road who said they could do it for seven and a half grand, and I thought, wow, okay, that's not bad because I've been getting quotes of like fifteen, sixteen, and then I talked to the builder who did our house way back, and then and he was the guy who was charging me fifteen thousand, and he wouldn't budge. And he started telling me all the things that I need to look out for. Um, is are they going to be there in the long term? Is it going to be the good quality job? Are they going to be? Are you going to get the right guarantee? And I suddenly I remembered why I was confident in this guy. And even though he's more expensive, I realised the value behind that price. And so that's that's the feeling I get about you when when someone can talk with that confidence about the price they charge, then that gives me more confidence in actually spending that money. Exactly. And I guess what you're buying from the roofer is his, you know, 10, 20, maybe whatever, 30 years experience that he has Mm. bringing to your problem. Uh, And I think the thing that's really important for everybody to remember, you know, anybody who's in the community who might be kind of listening to this, there's no doubt that you guys come with a huge amount of experience and expertise and knowledge and insight, which is hugely useful, hugely valuable to the people who you seek to serve. And it is right and appropriate that you put a kind of price which is kind of representative of that value in the same way that your roofer is doing. That. It's not a job at all costs to him. He knows he comes with expertise and knowledge, which means he can build a roof for you, which is going to last for the next 50 years in the way that your last roof would have done. Uh, and that that is an important thing for a kind of customer and a client to know. It sounds like, so for me, in, with this particular example, it's like I'm not just buying someone's time to put tiles on my roof. I'm also buying peace of mind because that's as much as as valuable to me as having a, a roof that doesn't leak. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You're buying the peace of mind that it won't leak. 
Yes. Yeah. So kind of cool. product. And so that's for me the. That's the confidence that I, I'm buying, and, and that's that's also for me the confidence in the decision. That's part of the the price. That price has given me confidence in this decision because I've felt like actually there's a reason why that price is what it's at. Yeah, absolutely. And so the other problem I have with particularly with pricing is like when I first did this thing, it's like he gave me this quote, and I had no idea was that expensive, was that cheap. And actually, only by referring to well, there was this guy down the road who was doing the roof, and there was another one who gave me a quote for a quick patch that I even could consider what this price meant. So there's this other aspect of of being able to help people make a decision because they might not even understand what that value means, even though you're giving them some other things to think about. But a uh, kind of a reference point, for instance. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that raises a, a really really critical point around uh, how easy or hard we make it for our clients and customers to buy what we do because routinely um, we actually make it quite difficult for our prospective customers to buy what we do because we don't help them make some sort of comparative judgment we don't help them with some sort of comparison because unfortunately the kind of quirks of the human mind um, we know that the human mind is not a machine as brilliant as it is which is able to kind of know if something is good value just by looking at it it can only do so in comparison so in providing any kind of service to to a client or customer it's really really critical that we provide a number of options for them to consider because what we're doing is we're helping them with a comparison because if we don't provide the options for them to consider, then the customer has no choice but to compare us with somebody else. Uh, and of course, that's a comparison that we have no control over. And so the chance of us securing the work actually just goes down straight away. But if you control that conversation by offering the options, then you control the conversation. And so if you control the conversation, you're, of course, increasing the likelihood that they will buy. So to take your roofing example further uh, as a kind of you know useful sort of tool for that, if what he had kind of done was offer a kind of range of options, say kind of three options, which are kind of three different ways of kind of tackling the problem, which, and I'm clearly going to be riffing on an area I know absolutely nothing about, but whether it's just <laughs> kind of just tiling or it is a complete rebuild of the roof or some other option, which give you kind of three ways of engaging with it, all of which solve the problem to varying degrees. One might be a short-term fix. One might be a kind of medium-term fix. One might be a fix forever or whatever it might be. Then you as the kind of buyer then necessarily are just considering the options in front of you. You have no kind of need or desire actually to go ask another builder because you've already got enough things for your brain to sort of chew on. And so giving the client options is a hugely important tool to help them make a decision. And one of the questions actually which came up uh, in, in the webinar when we did this was, was whether these sorts of mind tricks in inverted commas uh, are, is an ethical mm. thing to do. And uh, the, my, my response to it, which you know, is this is all about intent. 
Uh, and for sure, lots of people use these tricks and these devices to get people to do things that benefits them, the provider. And of course, you're never going to sort of stop people doing that. But what's kind of true for all of the people in the community, everybody who's running a purpose-driven thing, it's really important that you help your customers make a decision about what you do, because what you do has value. It is useful. It is positively, it has positive intent. So given all of the motivations which lead you guys in the community to do what you're doing, it's important that you give yourselves the best chance and you give your prospective customers and clients the best chance of buying what you do. And providing options is a really simple but really important thing to do to help people make a choice about what it is that you're providing. I've got a very an example that comes up very uh, came up for me when you were talking, particularly when we were a web design agency, around that in terms of the intent or the good you, that you do by actually helping people make a choice is we used to, we did, we built a project for uh, as a web platform, a community platform. It was, it was essentially Facebook for the rich, ultra high net worth individuals having their own social network. Now, the client wanted to develop the product even further, uh, and they asked us for a quote, and we gave them a quote, and it was a simple cost. And it was quite a complex piece of work, and we had a single price, and it was beyond their budget. And they thought, oh, and so they decided in the end to go somewhere else for a cheaper option, which ended in a complete disaster, and they came back to us to do the work. So they wasted tens of thousands of pounds on this other cheaper solution and time, and then came back to us. So what came up for me when you're talking is that actually it was our duty to actually make that decision a lot easier for that customer because it would have saved them so much time and heartache because we were very confident about the, the, the value we were providing and the pitfalls of doing it in another way, but we just didn't communicate it in a way that gave the, the customer enough confidence to make that decision and enough information and maybe anchoring to then say, oh, yeah, no, that that makes complete sense. I should just stay here. Absolutely, because effectively what the customer has done is pay twice. Um, And parking the irony of going for the cheapest option when you're building a network of the super rich uh, is probably (laughs) something for another day. Um, But yes, the other other thing you kind of raised there was this idea of kind of anchoring. Uh, And anchoring, for those of you who don't know, again, is is just another really similar, simple sort of quirk of the mind. When we were talking earlier about the mind is always looking for comparisons, one of the things that our sort of excellent brain as a supercomputer will do uh, is it will kind of fix on the number, uh, whatever number it might be, which is being kind of dropped into a conversation. And any number that kind of follows that is the comparison. So if you and I were sort of talking and uh, I was routinely talking about something which was going to cost, that might cost £100, or even I was just, you and I are talking about a service that I might provide to you. uh, And even before we've got to the specifics of what I might do, I'm just talking about something which costs £100. And I'm saying over, you know, dropping into our conversation, £100, this is £100, that is £100, this is £100. What your brain has done is that it's held on to that £100 figure. Even if I've not at any time said that what I'm going to provide you is £100, the brain has decided that the anchor for the 
conversation is 100. And there's been lots of experiments around this, which look at how it works. And the brain just takes the number, whatever the kind of context, it takes the number and that's its anchor. So what then happens is, as we go through the conversation, there's Ben talking to Carlos. I've just been dropping this number 100 into all of our conversation with reference to everything. When I then come to talk to you about the service that I might provide, and I say that it's £40, the brain says to Carlos, tick, this is all good because it is good value. Because what the brain has done is just compare the £40 to the £100. Irrespective of what those numbers relate to, the brain has reassured you that it is okay to make this decision. And so within the context of the options that we're talking about, there's always one option which is significantly higher. Uh, and that the purpose of that significantly higher is to reassure the customer that the, the the other options are good value, are safe decisions to make. Cool. So with it, it's that ability to, well, uh, the way I understand these things, are the human brain is a kind of a comparison engine. And so it's always looking at contrasts. And that's the thing that really jumps out for you. So when you can... The anchor for me is the thing that helps create that contrast. So you, there's that price and you compare with this price and then it, it then makes it feel like, ah, okay, I can I can deal with this rather than something that just doesn't have any kind of reference. Exactly, point. exactly. The contrast, the comparison is cool. critical. And it feels, and so there's there's these, uh, these kind of uh, approaches that is kind of rooted in how our brains work, but there's also, a, a, you know, based on the conversation another podcast episode around positioning there's also really understanding the customer and 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 knowing essentially what are they looking for uh, what are they what is it they're trying to buy from you and i think we touched on that with my roofing yeah. example yeah uh, that that is probably the most important point of all which is the value of any purchase is in the mind of the customer only you know, it's not about what we, the seller, think is good value. It's about what the customer thinks is good value. Uh, you know, and ultimately, everything that we do is about serving our customers, serving our clients, whether you're purpose-driven, social enterprise, for-profit, whatever it might be. You know, the better and more effectively you serve your client, your customer, the happier they're going to be, the happier they are, the more they will pay. Uh, and the better you understand all of the things which are important to them, the more valuable what you do is. Uh, and so really spending time making sure you really understand their motivations, you really understand what their interests and their needs are, the more valuable the work you will provide. And I think maybe a simple way of thinking about this is that the earlier you raise, the earlier you offer a price in a sales negotiation, the lower the price will be. Hmm. Yeah. And there's, so with that, that's, there's, there, there is an eagerness all the time to strike off as like, it costs this much, you want to buy it. And what you're talking about, there's, there's more investigative work that you need to do. And there's a more, you need to start teasing stuff out of the customer. Hmm. Yeah. I think, yeah, simply the longer you spend, just really walking in their shoes, really getting under the skin of everything that's interesting to them, the more value, more valuable you will be. And the more valuable you are, the more you will earn, essentially. Amazing. Great. Well, there's a lot of good stuff there. Um, 
and I I think for me there's there's this real appreciation where I, people might think of pricing is basically how much does it cost to make and how much extra can I just charge people to make a profit but actually there's a deeper uh, message here around uh, pricing is a reflection of the confidence that you have in the product that you create pricing actually creates confidence in people so that number is the thing that actually adds value to your product even if you feel that you're not doing anything else um there's something around really understanding what are they buying from you you know it isn't the widget necessarily there's something that they need to to achieve and your product or service is going to help them achieve that and that's the thing that they're most focused on and then when they are trying to decide between you or someone else or even trying to make a decision there and then it's our it is our duty as entrepreneurs as as people who want to make a difference to people's lives to make that decision as easy as possible beautiful there you go boom no that's really grateful for this time with me ben and and for sharing those thoughts and that wisdom i think I really think it's going to be really helpful for anyone listening to this to at least start shifting their minds about pricing. But like you said earlier, at the bottom of all of this is our relationship to money and what that means to us. So I feel there's another conversation that needs to be had around that. Yeah, I think that's a biggie, a big block and a big opportunity. That's a, that's a crunchy conversation, yeah. as as my friend Max St. John would say. Um, right. Well, thank, thank you, you again. Uh, I look forward to having another discussion with you in the future around money. And maybe what we'll do is we'll we'll look at doing another campfire conversation with the community. Yeah, for sure. But until then, um, I'll have a good rest Likewise. of the day. Thank you very much, Carlos. And thank you, the community.